Tonight at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to have a new sermon series since we've spent quite a bit of time going through the books of the Bible. You know, last week um, I briefly discussed, you know, focus, you know, and focusing on the Lord. But to do that, we have to take our eyes off of many other things. You know, and part of what we have to come to realize is that, you know, my need for control. Most of us struggle with control in various forms. If we don't have the control issues, we are immediately hooked to someone who has serious control issues. You know, and we give that other person the control. And most times, in either situation, the one that is not in control is God. You know, and wrestling with powerlessness for many years, not truly understanding what it meant, and the freedom that comes with it, and the strength that comes with it, and the freedom that comes with it, when I release control to God, and I realize that I have zero ability to really change myself, and I have absolutely no ability to change the people that are around me. And when I finally started to grasp this principle, there became such freedom in my life and freedom for those that lived around me because I control each and everything in my life. And if I'm not in control, then I use anger, manipulation, you know, in various ways to bring control back into my favor. Now, I know I'm just speaking to myself up here that nobody in this room struggles with any of these things. But until I come to this understanding that I am unmanageable in in many different levels, I can't focus on God. Because I'm constantly trying to manage all the things that are in my life that are out of control. So I may believe in God, and I may have a relationship with God. I may be even so spiritual that I even get in my word and worship and have a prayer life. But when God begins to touch one of these areas that I don't like him touching, The Lord of my life quickly goes from him back to me. Because I don't like the way this feels. And I know that God wouldn't want me to feel this way. And I know that God wants to give me the the desires of my heart. So I stay stuck in patterns that I've been in for a long, long time. Because I'm still trying to have power in areas that, on some levels, Jesus is bringing us into these situations that are forcing us into these decisions where I'm going to continue to hang on to the way that I do it or I'm going to release it to Jesus 
in the very uncomfortable will for my life that He has in store for me. You know, and many of us in here have have had victory in different areas and releasing control to one area or another to Jesus has been the norm for us. But also what is the norm is that there's a list of other things that we have yet to get tired of doing and we still want to be in control of those things. So therefore we justify why I don't have to be powerless in this area because I've let go of that area. You know, and we rationalize and we justify and and we make excuses and we whine a lot. And sometimes we mask our whines with prayers. You know, but what I've come to learn, you know, and it's a saying that most of us have heard and we throw it around every now and again. And, you know, if the Lord is not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Now, just being honest with you, he's not the Lord of every area of my life. Is it okay that I say that? Is it okay that I'm transparent and say that I still want control of some areas and still have some control of some areas? You know, and this is something that we will all be working on for the rest of our lives, that we're not going to wake up one day and all of a sudden, poof, that we are in complete likeness of Christ. If there is a red pill, most of us would take it. And we probably wouldn't like the idea that we have to deny ourselves that much. Just being honest. But what is underneath me taking charge of my life are past failures, things that I'm afraid to change, a lot of fear, control, anger, wounds, Memories, dysfunction, abuse, lovely childhoods that we all remember so greatly. You know, and on some level, that we don't want to touch those things. You know, I know for myself and and working with a lot of people is that if I open the door to said area, I don't know what's going to happen. Some of us have said that very thing. With just the statement, I don't know what's going to happen, there's this underlying aspect is I will lose control. And as long as I keep it locked in there, I'm managing it well enough that there's this level of dysfunction and pain that I'm accustomed to that I will tolerate. You know, that we have a spiritual callus in one area or another, and our heart is seared in one area or another, and it prevents us from wholeheartedly chasing Jesus because I can't deny myself completely when I have a whole area of my life that I have to keep in check because if Jesus gets anywhere near that thing, chaos is going to go on in my emotions. And all of us love that so much. You know, that we have this baggage that we carry. Every one of us in this room has an area of baggage. 
some of us have quite quite a lot of baggage. <clears throat> and you know, as a pastor, as as someone that's trying to disciple, you know, people, I think one of the hardest things that I ever have to work with is the fact that you think you know what you're doing. The fact that you try to tell me how spiritual you are. The fact that you tell me how this is going to work when the history of your life shows that everything that you choose to do your way ends in dismal failure. And for those of you that are close to me, okay, let's go around this mountain one more time. Because I've learned the hard way of trying to fix you. It doesn't work. And God had to take me through many, many lessons of codependency and brokenheartedness and frustration and anger of working with people that did not want to do it my way. And slowly through the years, I had a new epiphany. But Tom, you absolutely don't know what you're doing. What makes you think you have any business controlling someone else's life? And what I had to come to grips with is that I'm powerless over myself and I'm even more powerless over every single person that I come in contact with. And when I live by that principle, I can live in peace. And today I, I have spent way too many years fighting fights that I don't longer want to fight. You know, I've spent way too many years completely pissed off completely angry, completely out of control in addiction, in sobriety, out of Christ, in Christ. Because I'm still trying to fit everything through the lens of what I think and the way that I think and the way that I think and the way that I think. And it should go this way and you should do this. And the second that it doesn't go my way, Tommy's like a two-year-old that doesn't have his bottle. Now, I know that I'm not the only one that still has temper tantrums as adults. In reality, come on. Let's get real. I mean... Let's get real. There's times that if somebody saw us when no one else is looking, we look very similar to like a two-year-old that's not getting its way. But very few people see that. But guess who does? Jesus. So what does Jesus do? He gives us new opportunities to work on the very thing that's frustrating us. To bring us to this place that we have to understand that he's in control and we're not. But if we don't get this idea of powerlessness, if we don't release control to him, 
if we don't come into this understanding that he is sovereign and he's got a plan and we don't have to agree with it. Every one of us got here on a plan that we didn't agree with all the way. And the better our life is doing, most likely we did not agree with the majority of what's been going on lately. Because if we got what we wanted, this is not where we would be. Right? I mean, am I the only one that's like, this is not what I planned? <laughs> Jesus okey-doked me and said, here, I love you. I have a plan for you. It's going to be great. Oh, wait, let's go through the valley. Whee! But see, when I don't let go of control, what starts to really take root in me or is already rooted and it just sprouts a new branch is bitterness. And a lot of us still have bitterness of the way that it didn't go the way we thought it should. And a lot of us have bitterness and resentment to things that happened in our childhood. Most of us still have resentments dating back to times before we ever started elementary school. And that's crazy to think that how old some of us are in the fact that I'm still hanging on to stuff that happened in my childhood. 30, 40 years ago. Still angry about something that didn't go my way. Or the way that I thought it should. And not only do I blame the people that are in that scenario, I also blame God. God got it wrong. Every one of us has a story and a part and a piece and a memory where God got it wrong. And until we come into the understanding that we're powerless over the way that that went and that God maybe, possibly didn't get it wrong, that there's a piece of our puzzle that He has that we may not understand, that His ways are not our ways, His ways are above our ways, that His ways are a mystery to us, that in our tiny little brains we could not even fathom the things that He knows and the ways that He does. And see, when we, we struggle with control, we get stuck in this place of bitterness, we get stuck in this place of hurt, And a lot of us just kind of threw some dirt on it and kept it moving. And some of us spent a decade or more in addiction to one thing or another. Many of us have gone through dysfunctional relationship after dysfunctional relationship trying to find healing and trying to find love because we didn't get it when we were little. Many of us have been running from this to that to this to that for several years because we're just trying to run away from the way we feel on the inside. And no matter where we go, guess who shows up? Me. Can't I just leave that guy behind? I know I'm not the only one that left the city of residence to somewhere else and had this grand idea that I was going to recreate myself. And when I got there, it was going to be completely new. And within a year, if not six months, guess who showed up? 
the jerk I left behind. And it wasn't all the people that I was blaming at the old city. I had all the same scenarios in the new place I was now living. I had all these new people to blame. How did they get there? Oh, wait. I recreated the storm in my life. Or did God somehow recreate the very thing that I was trying to escape to get us to realize that there is no escaping, that there is only truly facing? How many times have we tried to escape something and we run smack dab right back into it? What if God is like, all right, you want to do it over there? All right, we'll do it over there. All right, you don't want to do it? Oh, we'll do it over there. Oh, we'll do it over Oh, 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 come here, squirmy. <laughs> and his hand is always right there keeping us kind of going around and around the mountain. And he's like, nope, back on the path. Nope, back on the path. How many times have we tried to escape the path to find ourselves right back on the path? And we're like, man, why can't this ever be different? Why am I here again? Because I never faced it. I never dealt with it. I never allowed God into it. Now granted, most of our lives, we did not have an understanding of a relationship with Jesus. We did not have an understanding of a loving Savior. We did not have an understanding of a healing God. But even now as adults, as most of us can say that we have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, we still do it. Why? Why? Because if I give it to him, I don't know what he's going to do with it. If I do it his way, I don't know the outcome. If I open this door, I don't know if I can turn the pain off. Many of us have said very similar things to that. Many of us have a very broken kid that just has adult privileges now. (laughs) We're little children that someone decided that we were old enough to be able to do stuff. And the government said at 18 you can do this and at 21 you can do that. And at some point you're an adult and you should be adulting. And we're like, I hate this idea. And we are still making the same mistakes that we were making when we were six. And some of us make big bumps in the road, and some of us make little bumps in the road, and some of us blow up the road in our attempts to try to get away from the person that we don't like the most, and that's usually the person that we're looking in the mirror at. But are we ready? Are we ready to say, God, I'm willing to do it your way? And honestly, people, that is the scariest thing. It's quaint, ain't it? Oh, I'm God's will. That's scary stuff. God's will is scary. Can we just be honest? Can we just get honest and say, I'm going to let go of what I think is best for me, and I'm going to press into my word, and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit begin to direct my steps, and I'm going to let go of the things he tells me to let go of. I'm going to grab a hold of the things that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to start responding to the things that he's convicting me of. And I'm going to start moving towards him to the best way that I can. 
every day. <laughs> every day. That we deny ourselves and we follow him. Isn't that what he asks us to do? See, a, a biblical Christianity versus an American Christianity have a lot of things that don't match up. Now, granted, we're Americans and we're living in this place and we got to make it the best that we can. However, I think that I can, can unplug myself from the excuses that I use as an American Christian and say, I'm going to try to follow Jesus this year. But if that's the case, things have to change. Otherwise, 2020 will look very similar to 2019, 2018, 2017, and it doesn't mean that we're not growing. It just means that there is a bunch of stuff that we have yet to really let God into those areas. So a lot of the same mistakes that we keep making are going to reappear in this year, even though new year, new me, right? Same me, new year. Same God, potentially there can be a new me. But it's not Tom's way, it's going to be his way. You know, that God has this power. I don't have power. Some of us are extremely stubborn, and we think that somehow that's powerful. Some of us stay stuck in certain places because we refuse to do it any other way than the way that we want to do it. And somehow we, we convinced ourselves a long time ago that that was a strength. But it's really part of the rooted system, the foundation of why we keep destroying ourselves. We won't take suggestions. We won't come under authority. We don't listen to suggestions. We don't really allow God to tell us to stop doing things because I like that. Thing that he wants me to not do. Every one of us in here has a conviction that we refuse to respond to because we like it. So we have to let God in. Now, I know that this isn't like the feel good message. But if we're going to get to a new us, if we're going to get to where Jesus wants us to get, I don't think that we're going to get there with your best life now. I think that we're going to get there with holy conviction and true repentance, not because I'm trying to get you to do anything, but it's because the Holy Spirit's already moving in this room, not only on you, but on me. This message is just as much for me as it is for anybody in this room. I am just as guilty. I'm at least 80 to 100 pounds overweight in an area that the Holy Spirit has been talking to me about for years, and I'm just flat out disobedient. Can we just be honest? You know, some of us have food issues. Some of us have lust issues. Some of us have spending issues. 
some of us have jealousy issues. Some of us have control issues. You know, and we can go on and on and on, but I'm not up here trying to list our sins. What I am up here is trying to say that God has a better plan than anything that we could come up with. And Jesus has already shown each and every one of us that he is better than the way we used to live. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Is that agreed? So if he's already proven to us that he's better than what we used to do, how much better is he going to be than the things that we're still doing? It sucks, but it's true. Like, yeah, Tom, let's go to the gym and not go to Chinese food later. And we're going to start eating rabbit food and protein shakes. And we're going to limit our calories. And we're not going to eat sweets. And we're not going to have chips. And we're going to not sit around and watch TV all day. Thanks, Jesus. This sounds like a great plan. Every part of that sucks. There's not one part of that I'm like, woohoo! Jesus is well! It's gonna be amazing! But he says, denying myself. So all the things that I have just mentioned need to be get denied for me to truly follow him. Because all of those things are little tiny anchors, and I'm saying, I'm following you, Jesus! And I'm dragging all this stuff behind you to the best of my ability. But like, no one sees it. I'm skinny in my spirit self. I'm going to get a new body one day and float around. I'll be skinny when he takes me home. And trust me, people, I have prayed for metabolism to shift. I've heard stories of people that lost weight and their pants will fall off. I'm like, I'll take that miracle right now, Jesus. It'll be weird, but it'll be amazing. I've been upset and pissed off at some of you skinny people that can eat anything you want and don't ever have a problem. I rebuke you. You devils. But do you know what? There's things that God has shown me and how to do that I'm teaching them how to do that we all are one body. That He gives us bits and pieces of it. He doesn't give us all of it. And that we need each other. You know how many annoying people have lived in my house that want to eat healthy and go to the gym? A lot. How aggravating. (laughs) I mean, literally since I've lived on Noy Street, there has been some jerk that has lived in my house that wants to go to the gym and eat right. How dare God do that to me? I just, I just shooting straight with you. And we all have one of those areas that we keep running into that person that reminds us that we suck. And we can either let condemnation get heaped on us because it's conviction that I'm not responding to, so then therefore I feel it shameful, and therefore when anyone says anything to it, I get angry and say, you're judging me. 
or I can say, Jesus, I'm starting to hear you. I've just been a little slow. You know what? It's this new year stuff that starts to buzz, right? That at some point in the end of last year, we just kind of like, I've totally screwed this year up. Screw it. I'll just, in January, I'll do it. Right? Am I the only one that at some point in 2019, you just give up? Yeah, it's not going to happen this year. January, we're going to get to the gym and we're going to eat right. And that fast, I'm going to lose like 20 pounds in that fast. I'm going to do a full fast. I'm going to get skinny and that's going to help me get going. And nope. Why didn't it work? Because I didn't want to change. I didn't repent. I may have made a resolution. I may have had some horrible plan of how this was going to work. But in all reality, I have not repented. Change the way I think and behave, that's what that means, by a full-out turn to Jesus and say, I'm ready to do it your way, not my way with a little bit of, I'll pray about it. (laughs) Come on, we do it. Don't we do it? Am I the only one that does it? Tom's will in Jesus' name makes a pretty little picture of nothing getting accomplished. I have to be willing. I have to be willing to grab a hold of Jesus because he's the only one to set me free. In my grandest plans, I can't find freedom. In my best efforts, I could not find freedom. Jesus is the only one that's been able to deliver us of anything that any of us have been delivered from. And there's a variety of things that we've struggled with in this room. Jesus is the only one that's ever been able to set us free of whatever that is. Drugs, alcohol, food, sex, gambling, porn. The list goes on and on and on. If it was not for Jesus coming into that area of our lives, we could not say or declare that I have any sort of freedom in that area. I did not wake up one day and be like, I have this new idea. I'm going to do it this way now. And all of a sudden it began to work. Because at the the root of my idea is Tom's will. And Tom's will on some level will always find its way back to what I want to do. And what I want to do is take the pain away my way. Even if that way causes me more pain. Even if that way causes somebody I love pain. Even if that way causes someone who's trying to love me pain. Because at the root of each and every one of us is a wicked heart who's selfish in nature, who desires sin, and our heart is an idol maker who desires and makes pathways to sin the only way for freedom is to lay ourselves before jesus and say i am a wretched sinner again and again and again even though we have victory in one area or a dozen areas there is still an area that i am a wretched sinner saved by grace 
And until I lay this next area down, I'm going to continue to do it my way. And when we do that, we're bound by guilt. And guilt is a response to conviction. But when I don't respond in that guilt with a turn toward Jesus, then it turns into shame and condemnation. And the cycle continues because then I'm allowing my sin nature to direct my steps. And the condemnation is the perpetual wheel that the enemy just keeps whispering in our ear, you're not good enough. You're never going to do it. It's never going to change. If God doesn't love you, he set you free of that other thing. He's not going to set you free of this thing. This is just the way it is. And the lies and the lies and the lies that come whispering in our ear and the heaviness that we carry because we're carrying a sin that doesn't belong to us. And it's truly simple, but we make it complicated. And all we really need to do is say, Jesus, today's the day. Just like we did before. It was a very ugly day. It was a very ugly day that we got where we are today. That we didn't wake up one day and be like, this is the day I'm going to change. Normally horrific things were taking place in our lives. We were about to lose everything. We are like, I can't do it anymore. Although many of us have been in that situation before, but the heaviness of time and the heaviness of being in these situations again and again, that we declared, I'm ready to do it. And we say that with our words, but somehow Jesus knew our heart on that day. How it somehow was different before. And we don't ever know, right? And sometimes we've said the very things that we've said before, but Inside, we were still like, yeah, I'm still going to do what I want. But the brokenness in that day, somehow the loving Savior heard the heart cry, even though the lips may have sounded the same. But our heart wanted change. And I don't know how to manifest that. If I could, I would make the guys that live with me, and I would make you somehow... Get a heart change. And as much as I've prayed and as much as I've wrapped my word around, mind around the word, there is no way to change a heart other than Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can change a heart. And whether it's my prayers for myself or someone else's prayers for me, at some point, things begin to shift. That that heart of stone turns into a heart of flesh, not by my actions, but it's by His name. By any other day. It's his day. It's Jesus. And we gotta cry out to him and say, Jesus, I want to change. Jesus, I want to change. And what I have learned in my own life, the amount of time that I spend in prayer about said area to change, the likelihood of it changing is greater. If I don't spend time in prayer about an area changing, the likelihood of that area change is very low. Most of us want to suddenly, I get it, I wish, that's just 100 pounds, poof, gone. Not going to happen. What he is going to do is teach me discipline. Such a lovely word that we all love so much when we're trying to get someone else to be disciplined. 
You need discipline. And I will help you. And Jesus is standing right behind you and be like, yes, I will. No, that's not what I meant. Each one of us needs discipline. And the only way that I can get there is have an understanding that I need to be a disciple. For me to be a disciple, that means I need to be teachable. For me to be teachable, that means I need a teacher. I don't think that it's a coincidence that this is the way he set it up. I believe that each one of us needs more Jesus. I'm the chief sinner, right? I know I need more Jesus. I know my faults better than any of you. And I know that I need more Jesus. And I know that I make a lot of excuses of why I don't allow certain areas to change. I'm the only one, technically, that can say enough's enough. So the question really is, are we willing to do whatever it takes? I know I spent a lot of years doing whatever it took to get sin. No one was going to stop me. I was willing to get around and go through and manipulate and lie to get what I wanted. And the only thing that stopped me was consequences of pain or consequences of sin that brought pain and then turning to a loving Savior that says, I love you, come here. And in that day that I turned to him, I didn't even know how good he was. I can't make that same statement. No. I know how good he is. And yet I still deny him. I got to make a change. I got to make a change. I got to make a change. That Jesus went to the cross for our sins. Not just the ugly ones that hurt. Even the ones that we're still doing now. He he went to the cross. He, He knew that there would be a day that we were on the other side of the stuff that we're struggling with now. He knew it. He knew we'd be here. He knew we were going to be there. And he knows where we're going to be. Otherwise, he'd give up on us. he just let us stay in it without conviction. and be like, nope, that's as far as you're getting. Just stay right there. Be a fat Christian. I don't know. For me, I get convicted about it. I'm not trying to heap condemnation on anyone in this room. He convicts me about the way I spend my money. He convicts me about the way that I think. He convicts me about the way that I spend my time. However, I do know this, that any time that I jump off the cliff and I'm going to work on all of it, the likelihood that I'm going to sustain that is very low. However, when I make small changes in one of those areas, the area that I'm being convicted about the most or the area that he's asking me to work on first, rather than the one that I want to work on, that when there's obedience to him in an area... Freedom begins to start, and that can be contagious. So 
So what I'm asking all of us to do, including myself, is be obedient to what he's already been saying. Let's start there. Let's not try to do some new thing. Let's just try to do the thing that he's been asking us to do for a while now. And we all have one of those. We all have one of those. So let's start there and see if we can get some momentum. Let's start there and start to let people into that area that we believe that God is convicting us or we believe that this is what's first. And watch what he does. And watch what he does. I think that one, we need to repent. And two, we need to receive his grace. Because we can repent of an area and we can leave that, that moment of repentance, whether it's tonight or some other time. Maybe you've already done it sitting here. And then we begin to listen to the condemnation which then leads us right back into the sin. So not only do I need to repent, I need to believe in His grace that is sufficient to sustain me and empower me on to change. That gives me the strength that when the enemy tries to whisper in my ear and bring forth that condemnation, that I can then say, Satan, get behind me. And that the blood of Jesus has washed away my sins. And I have to begin to declare that over that area of my life. Now he may, the enemy may be screaming in other areas, but we gotta hang on to that area just like we did before. Because we weren't perfect before when we started to change one area or another, were we? And we hung on to that area because we did, were desperately ready to change that area, and we still made a ton of mistakes in other areas, and the enemy was trying to convince us that we should just give up, and we never gave up in that other area. Are you following me? And we got to repeat that pathway to victory. Is that we got to lay that one thing down, trust in his word, believe that the blood of Jesus is able to wash us clean, and then fight through the voice of the enemy that's screaming at us in the other areas that we have still are struggling in. It's the only way that's ever worked for me. And I know that once the momentum starts, it feels good. First week or month, not so hot. So let's take a moment. Let's just silently, each one of us talk to Jesus. Ask him into whatever area. Have a conversation with them. Just be real. Lord, we ask that you meet us where we're at. Lord, we're never going to be perfect, Lord, but I pray that you would meet us right here. That your mercy is new every day, every morning, every moment that we turn to you and away from something, your mercy is there. And I pray that we could grab a hold of your grace 
and allow your grace to grab a hold of us. And that that love that you've given each and every one of us because you stood in our place. There needs to be no fear of judgment. And that perfect love casts out fear. That perfect love defeats condemnation. And that grace begins to empower us and encourage us on to change. Lord, I ask that you would move powerfully in this room, Lord, that your presence would move powerfully in our lives, Lord, that we cannot do this without you. This isn't some crazy motivational speak. Lord, this is truly a heart cry that we need you. And I pray that this year that I would see change in my life. And I pray that the individuals in this room would see change in their life. I pray that this ministry would see just testimony after testimony of free in the lives of the men and women that are eager to change. And Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be any condemnation in you, that your blood washes us clean. And if we show up next week and we've still been struggling in the very area, I pray that, that each person walks through that door and understands that your love and your acceptance is in this room. Lord, I pray that no one leaves feeling shame no one leaves feeling condemnation, that everyone leaves with some hope, that you are our solution and we just need to turn to you in the areas that we're still struggling. Lord, we can't do this without you. We've proven that to ourselves a hundred times over and over again. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this moment, Lord, that you are the one that knows our heart. I just thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.